Today, titled, What is Love? We start a new one next week on Romans, and I'm excited about that. We'll carry us through Easter, and uh, just really excited about where we're headed and what we're doing. But today, before we get there, we've got to finish. What is love? And today, we look at what it means and how we love God. You know, in the first week of our series, we asked... um, we looked at the power of a single question. That question was asked by a Pharisee lawyer. The purpose of asking that question was to find a way to destroy Jesus. They were hoping that no matter what he answered, they would be able to find a way to accuse him and find a way to end up taking his life, which we know eventually they were successful with doing. Now, the question, as I said, sought to define, uh, they, they wanted Jesus to define what is the greatest of all the commandments, right? There's 10 of them. What's the greatest of all the commandments? No doubt that by doing so, Jesus would identify one of the 10 and then he would be subject to a trial of public opinion about why he considered that one greater than all the rest and why the other ones weren't as important and all of those things. But Jesus, being the very likeness God, had a really great response where it was one of those things that they tried to set him up in a gotcha moment and he kind of flipped it on him and delivered a gotcha moment to them, right? And so we see this story in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And so some of this is this passage is going to be repeated of what we read in week one, but we're looking at a different part of it. But this is what it says. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law. It's like I just said that. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, we're ending today with the first and greatest commandment because as sometimes people say you should do, we're saving the best for last. But what exactly does that look like? Here's what I do want you to know. The entirety of Christian living can be summed up in two things. Loving God and loving others. Like the entirety of our faith can be summed up in those words. Loving God and loving others. Every teaching, every commandment, every suggestion that we find in Scripture is based in this foundation. How is it that we might love God and love others? If we can accomplish these two things, then we find ourselves on the right side of the law right? We find ourselves in righteous territory. Now, we can't accomplish these things all by ourselves. We know that. It's why we need the grace of God. It's why we need Jesus. But today we're going to talk about how we can specifically, like I said, love God. In the first week, we focused on how to love your neighbor. In this final week, we're going to focus on how to love God and, and what it means specifically to do so with our heart, with our soul, and with our mind, right? Heart, soul, mind, sometimes strength is thrown in there as well. Yes? So to begin, uh, we have to start with the first table of the law. Now, if you remember from week one, these, this first table contains all the commandments that are vertical, right? Vertical, up and down, between us and God. And it starts in Exodus 23, which says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. It is simple and straightforward, and yet, guys, it is something that we struggle with greatly. Now, when we think about not having any other god before God, big G God, as I will sometimes refer to him, um, we often think of a being, right? Well, I don't have any other gods before him. I'm not, you know, out there chasing Buddha, and I'm not 
following Muhammad and I'm not, you know, a disciple of Jenny Craig or uh, whatever else it is that you might put in God's place. Like we think obviously of a person, right? I'm following a person. Well, I put no person before God, right? That person may be a friend. It may be our husband, maybe our wife. God's got to be first on that list. But we oftentimes don't think about things, things, hobbies. This really can refer to whatever it is that we place in front of God, right? Our need to be right. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it is a specific hobby. Maybe uh, you're like me. And if you could be anywhere in the world at any given point, you'd be on a lake fishing, right? That's, I'm, I'm just, if you didn't know that about me, now you do. I love to fish. I love to fish almost as much as I love my wife and children. Okay. Not quite the same, but it's real close. Okay, it's real close. I am, of course, being facetious, but I love to fish. And sometimes when the opportunity to go fishing arises, I forget that there are other things in my life that deserve to be a priority as well, right? Anytime we make a priority out of something that isn't God, we are creating a God out of that thing. We are creating a God out of that thing. So when we talk about loving God with our heart, with our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, it means the entirety of our being, everything that we are. And we cannot love God wholly and completely if we have placed something before him. And Matthew 6.24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, obviously, this situation is speaking directly towards finances. Some of you in your life have made your desire to obtain your God, right? Whether that be your financial freedom or your financial security or maybe objects or things like you have made money your God. You, you have laid yourself down to the altar of worship at the dollar bill. Okay, now some of you, you care less, right? You own like three shirts, a pair of pants, and like we'll eat food out of a dumpster and you're okay, okay? Like, hey, I'm living, right? But maybe it's, again, something else. And so today, this morning, we have to be really self-reflective and honest with ourselves and open and brave enough to even say, yeah, you know what? There are things in my life that I'm placing before God. There are things in my life that get my best, that take my first priority, that mean everything to me. But as we pursue the love of God, there is no room, none whatsoever, for divided loyalty. And if we can place God at the top of our priority list, if we remove that divided loyalty, it sets us up successfully to follow the entirety of God's commands. It sets us up successfully to live a righteous life that flows from the love that we have for our creator. And in doing so, it allows us to love those things in our life that we love perfectly and to see them in the proper light that we should see them, okay? A lot of you, myself included at times, and guys, I think we kind of go through these like cyclic, maybe this is a cycle, this is a wave, right? But we go through this like cyclical stage where it's like sometimes we're really great, right? And sometimes mm, not so good. Sometimes it's really bad. And sometimes we're starting to improve. And as we go through life, we kind of go through this nasty cycle of I'm really on fire for God in one moment and the next uh, I've gotten tired and weary and not so much. And I've lost sight, lost focus, right? Right? 
we go through through these stages and, and and that's part of being human but we have to make sure that we are fighting to always have God at the forefront of what it is that we are doing because when he is first we are able to love things perfectly specifically the people in our lives right because as we are loving God we are looking at ways as how we how can we love God by the way that we love others but it also helps us see those things in our life that we're chasing as just things right it puts everything into perspective and that is extremely important for us you know we are told that we will be known by the the fruit that we bear the fruit that we bear you will know a false teacher or you will know a good teacher by the fruit that they bear in their life. You will know a good person or a bad person by, by what is coming out of their life, what, what, is, what is pouring out of them. But really what I would tell you is you'll know where that person's foundation is. You'll know where that person's foundation is, what they're rooted in. If they are rooted in God, then good things bloom. But if they have placed their foundation somewhere else, then what blooms is whatever they place their foundation in. And those things in their life thrive, but everything else seems to go at the wayside. But when we plan ourselves in God, it's like being a part of, of the best and most perfect tree that you can think of. We're giving off oxygen and we're doing all the things and we're providing shade. And is this an analogy that's working for y'all? I hope so. Right? We've got to make sure that as we seek to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, we do these things that, that we're doing so because we know that it is for our good so that we might bear good fruit and in doing so help others to be encouraged so that they might bear good fruit as well. Now here's where God sees the evidence of our love for him. The evidence of our love for God is in our obedience to follow his commands. God knows that we love by us being in line with what it is that he wants for our lives. Obedience. Okay? Obedience, which oftentimes in our world we only really talk about when we're talking about like dogs. Right? Oh, he's a good dog. He's so obedient. He does everything I ask him to do. You know what I mean? But I, this is probably not the most romantic analogy, but if I have to be God's dog, so be it. So be it. Because this is what I do know. When he's told me to sit and I've sat, when he's told me to roll over and I've done that, when he's told me to stay or come or go or this or that or whatever, when I've been obedient to him, my life has always been better. My life has always been better. When I haven't listened and he had to roll up the newspaper, give me a good old swat on the nose, that's when things haven't been so great. I'm really showing this morning like what a hillbilly I am, I think. <laughs> comparing our relationship between God and dogs. Sorry, Lord, I hope. But you get what I'm saying. Let's look at John 14, verse 21, and then verses 23 through 24. It says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. 
The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus replied, this is verse 23, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. See, what I have come to realize in my life is as I'm a person who likes to try to earn my keep and, and somehow um, justify what I've been given, I'm always looking for ways to, to please God, right? To offer something to God, to, to earn the grace that I've been shown and the love that he has given me. What I've come to realize is that really the only thing that I have to offer him is obedience. Obedience is the only thing we have to offer in return for all that he's done for us. And make no mistake about it, obedience is a choice. Obedience is a choice. To obey God is to show that we trust him. And you can choose whether or not to obey. You can choose whether or not to trust being in a relationship with God, loving Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice where we decide that God is more important to us than all other things. And it's a choice that's made once some amount of maturity is reached. Because when we are young and we are dumb and we just want to live life and experience and have joy and feel good and do all those things all the time, we make other things our God. But as we get older, we realize that those things really have brought us no happiness, that, that we aren't content, that we're just chasing the next thing. And we look for it all over the place and we look for it in people, and we look for it in objects, and we look for it in things, and, and we try to, to fulfill ourselves with stuff. And we surround ourselves with this kingdom that we build, and then one day we wake up and we look around and we realize, I have all these things, and I'm not happy. I've chased all these things. I'm surrounded by all these people, and I feel alone. We are built, we are designed to be in a relationship with God. Everybody has a soul hole, a hole in your soul. That was not meant to be anything, but everybody's got one. We've all got one. And we're all trying to find something to patch that hole with. Because while that exists, we feel out of equilibrium. Something in our life just isn't right. It's just not right. And what Christians have come to realize, what we've come to know and believe and understand is that the only thing, the only thing that properly repairs that hole is God. He's the only thing. I firmly believe when Adam and Eve were first placed in the garden, that wasn't there. It didn't exist. Why? Because they were with God. They were in relationship with 
God the way that he had designed it to be. What are you chasing? What has taken God's place in your life? What is it that has become priority number one? And are you willing, are you willing to let it go? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, confidence and trust, obedience are shown through our persevering through this life to chase after God, no matter what opportunity or thing is thrown our way. We must persevere. Why? Because real love stands the test of time. Real love stands the test of time. Some of us don't know what real love is because we've grown up in a society and in a world that loves everything. Oh, we love everything. We love Whoppers and Big Macs and, you know, we love MTV. Or if you're me, you love sports. It doesn't matter. Like, I'll watch curling at 3 a.m. just because it's on, right? Like, we love all these things. And we love all these people. And it's love and it's love and it's love. And I love this and I love that. And then that thing doesn't fulfill us anymore. And so now we're just out of love. That's not love. That's like, that's infatuation. That's a natural condition of a sinful heart. But love, love is seen in the fact that we are a creation of a God who didn't need us. But still looked around and said, there's something more. I want this. I want this. And loving God the way that we should love God says, I'm going to push through this life when sin has affected it. When things not being perfect become my status quo. There's an author named Sheila Aylwine. She says it better than I could, so I'm just going to say what she said. So we love God with all our heart when we love him exclusively, him and him alone, you shall have no other gods before me. We love God with all our soul when we find satisfaction in him more than any other person or thing. If I had to guess, for those of us that struggle, that's where we struggle the most. That's where we struggle the most. Because we've got that person or we've got that thing. We just love it so much. It's not a bad thing. And hopefully it's not a bad person. But we just love it so much that it's taken the place of our God. Maybe we've created an idol out of this thing when God should be in its place. 
She goes on to say that we love God with all our mind when we make decisions to obey his every command. And we love God with all our strength when we persevere in the face of every trial. What's before him? What needs to be let go of? Why aren't you obeying? Why aren't you obeying? And what in your life is too big for your God to handle? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day. Father, I know that in my life so many times you have taken a back seat to other things. Not even necessarily things that are bad, but things that just shouldn't have your place. And sometimes, God, it's difficult to say no to things that we love and no to, to things that we have made a priority in order to make you that priority. There's some pruning that needs to take place and it will be painful and it will hurt. And at times it will be confusing. But nothing in our life, not our pride, not our security, nothing in our life should take your place. To love you is a choice. To obey you is a choice. To place our faith in you, again, God, is a choice. At the end of the day, we choose this life, we choose you, or we choose not you. So God, I pray that you would affect our hearts, that you would change our minds, that you would help us to see that the thing that is missing in our soul is you. And when things don't feel like they should, when things feel out of whack, we feel like there's not balance in our life. God, may you be the first place that we turn. Help us to be open with ourselves. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Because like all of your commands, like all of your commands, while the world benefits when we obey you, God, we receive the greatest benefit. Help us to love you before we love anything else. In Jesus' name we ask for this. Amen. I'm going to be down front. I'm ready to pray with you and for you. If you have a need, come pray with me. Come pray with me. Uh, I'm going to ask Rodney to go stand over there, if you will. Enjoy if you'll go stand over here, okay? you got two options, three if you count myself, three options to come pray. A fourth, if you count our stage, come use that as an altar. Come kneel, come pray. If there's anything I want you to know about what I believe, it's this, the power of, of prayer is real 
and it can change things because our God can change things. So if there's something in your life that isn't the way that it's supposed to be, I suggest you turning it completely over to God. And prayer is the way in which you do that. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to be perfect in what you say. You don't have to know specifically what to ask for. But if you can go to God and let Him know that you want Him to act on your behalf, then I will tell you this, He will. Our God will. Stand with us now. Let's worship. If you need to come talk to me about salvation, let's do so. If you need to pray, come find one of us.